John chapter 14. 14th chapter of John. John chapter 14 in the first verse. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I know that even this evening the flesh is weak, but we've gathered here together to feed upon your word. Lord, I pray that you'll pour out your spirit upon us this evening. As I set out to expound upon a truth that you delivered to your disciples in a time of trouble. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure that all of us, if we took time and went around the room, could testify of trouble. Job said in the was that in the 14th verse that a man born of a woman is few days and full of trouble. No one likes trouble, yet it seems that trouble knows everyone. And when you don't have trouble, <laughs> trouble seems to find a way into your mind. I always find humor at the fact of when we go to the dentist office, just when you walk in the dentist's office, I can't stand the dentist's office. But when you walk in there, the, the smell of antiseptic in the room, the sound of the drills in the room, it troubles me. And I'm not even there. I'm actually there for my kids. Yet, it makes my feet sweat. It makes me uncomfortable just to think about what they're doing to some poor soul sitting in the chair. In the same manner, this is the way that life seems to affect us. Even when we're not exactly physically facing a trouble of our own, we begin to hear about crime rates rising. We begin to hear about financial problems in the country. We begin to hear about political corruption. And yet, even though the trouble is not, so to say, exactly on our doorsteps, because of the fears that is being rumored around, trouble seems to grip in our hearts and grip us. John chapter 14, and really in the first verse, reminds us that when imaginary problems stir up worry in our life, when Problems in our life seem to overtake us. John chapter 14 and verse 1 is a remedy for the troubled heart. It is a prescription from the great physician. Jesus said in the 16th chapter of John that in this world ye shall have tribulations. You're going to have problems. There is no rank, J.C. Ryle says, no class. He says there's no condition in which you can exist in which trouble that, will, uh, that trouble will not find you. 
There is no bars you can put up. There is no chains that you can put upon the door. There is no locks that you can find in which you will not find in your Christian journey drinking from the bitter cup of trouble. What's set out here in really, you know, We've separated this into chapters from John chapter 13 and verses 14, but 14 and verse 1 is really the outpouring of everything that happened in chapter 13. It's set out to be a beautiful evening as they gathered there in the upper room. Uh, This is the time in which we talk about they were having the last supper. It was meant to be a time of fellowship. But yet notice here what the 21st verse says in chapter 13. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Even in this beautiful moment in the presence of the Lord, uh, trouble had stirred up. Notice what it says in, in the 21st verse. Who was troubled? When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled. Troubles had even found the Lord. Job in the fifth verse, in the, or the fifth chapter in the seventh verse said, Yet man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. One commentator reminds us to guard our lips carefully when we look upon other people who are in trouble. Because if we're not careful and we get to commenting on why other people are going through troubles, before long, trouble may find itself at our doors. It's foolish to believe that trouble does not know our name. As they're all gathered around the table they could tell that the Lord was troubled. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. This word troubled, it's the word that comes from the Greek word tarasso. The best thing to explain this word is to explain to you the other places that John uses it so that you could see the portrait painted clearly. John chapter 11 in the 33rd verse there. When John is painting the scene as Jesus arrives there and begins to look upon Mary who is weeping at the death of her brother. Remember John chapter 11 and verse 35, the shortest verse says what? Jesus wept. When John was trying to paint the portrait of what Jesus was like in this situation, in this moment of loss, in this moment of grief, he said Jesus was tarasso. He was, he was troubled, greatly troubled by this situation. In John chapter 12 and verse 27, when Jesus had entered in into the city of Jerusalem and when he realized that the hour had now come, the Bible says that Jesus was troubled as he began to think about the cross that was 
yet before him. We think about the emotion of a Lazarus. We think about the emotion of the cross. And yet we see here in the verse before us that when Jesus had thus said that there was one in the midst that was going to betray them, he was troubled. All of this emotion that had existed in the previous passages existed right here. This emotion had stirred up in the disciples so much. It kind of really, when you read this passage, it kind of really brings to our mind an understanding of why John in the upper room had his head laid upon Jesus' bosom. He loved the Lord, and the Lord was troubled because there was this one who was to betray them. All the disciples could see the Lord's emotion in, when he said that one of you shall betray me. And Peter, as always, spoke up first. Who is going to betray you, Lord? Even in verse 25, John would ask, who is it? And before long, all the disciples would begin to be troubled at the news that the Lord had just let out. And they would all begin to ask, according to Matthew chapter, I think it's 25, they would all begin to ask, is it I? Is it, is it I? Am I the one who did this? If you wonder what kind of emotion was in the room when we were kids and the teacher would walk in or when, the, or when our mom would walk in and when we knew that we was in trouble, when they asked who did this, we would begin to look at one another. The Bible says here in verse 22, when the Lord told them that one of them would betray the Lord, it said, and the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. This situation had them greatly troubled. And if this wasn't troubling enough, the unofficial leader of the disciples was about to find out worse news for himself. In verse number 38, he said, and Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. More trouble. Not only is it troubling that there's a betrayer in the room, but there's a denier in the room. And now, not only is the denier been made known, but the one that is going to deny the Lord three times is the one who's the most vocal about following after the Lord. Remember, Peter was the one that was the first to confess that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet here he is, the Lord tells him that you are going to deny that you even know my name three times. And if this didn't make it all the worse, this Messiah who they left their home for, this Messiah who they left their career for, this Messiah whom they love so much. He tells him in verse number 33, Whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you. We're going to deny. We're going to betray. You're leaving. We've left all that we have. And where you're going, we cannot Go. On the heels of this situation, 
The Lord looks to the disciples and tells them, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Here in the midst of all of this, <laughs> in the midst of looking at all their failures, the Lord gives them the precious remedy to this troubled heart. Now, there are debates about this first verse here, whether or not it is indicative or imperative that the Lord is indicating to them that if you will just believe in God and believe in me, that all your troubles will go away. Some say that it is imperative that the Lord is telling them, believe in God and believe in me, and all your problems will go away. That he's commanding them to believe in him in the same faith they had placed in God. He'll go on, we know from our previous studies in John chapter 14 and verses 2 and 3, that he is going to promise them that he's going to prepare a place for them. And that if it was not so, he would not tell them. But he's coming back for them. And this is great news. And this is exciting news. But this is just after the fact information. This is not the information that removes the trouble. The information that removes the trouble is recorded in verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The, the Lord says the answer to your problems and troubles is stubborn trust in the Lord. It is to believe that he is always at work, no matter what you're facing. When you face failures, remember, the disciples can only see their own failures at this moment. That's what's before them. Oftentimes we fail the Lord and we feel like that's it. There's no consistency to us at all. Every day I turn around and I make mistakes. Why would God ever want to use me yet in his inner circle? The first one to make this grand confession is going to be the first one to deny him three times. In the answer to this troubled heart about failing, the Lord is believe in God and believe also in me. It's the answer is unwavering trust in the Lord. It's, on, it's the only medicine for our hearts when they are troubled. Not too long ago, they had a video that was going around on the internet where they were at this camp. And as they were at this camp, they were trying to, they had surrounded themselves around a picnic table. They were trying to convince someone to get up on the picnic table and with blind faith fall backwards into the crowd and let themselves be caught. Well, finally, after the video played on, they finally convinced the guy to get up on the picnic table. And as he stood there on the picnic table, time went on and on and on, and though he was on the table, he never had enough faith to fall. For us, Jesus says that salvation, faith in him, there is this faith, but there is also another step in faith. 
There is the faith that we know that he is the answer in this lost and dying world. But there's also another step in faith where we just put this unwavering trust in him that we, I hate to say this phrase, but let go and let God because God's sovereign and he'll win out anyways. But my point is, is that we quit fighting and start trusting God, that we trust God without reservation. It's one thing to say we trust him, but we always keep a little back for ourselves. It is to trust God without a contingency plan. So Jesus urges all his disciples to trust him. They had already forsaken it all. They had already left all their own, yet he tells them, believe in God. Wait, he says, you believe in God. You already believe him. You've already made this confession that I am the son of God. You made this confession that he, that he is the one that sent me. It's time to start trusting me. Really, the Lord was giving them an old time, Old Testament lesson. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Verse number one is interesting because verse number one is a verse of comfort, yet it offers up no comforting words. He said, what? Trust, or he says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Yet we find comfort from verse number one, do we not? Verse number one gives us great comfort this evening. And one of the most comforting parts of this verse is not so much what is said, though it's true. It's not so much how it was said, though it was said with love and compassion. There is great truths about who said it. But one of my favorite things about John chapter 14 and verse 1 is when it was said. The Lord looked out upon the disciples without a confession from their lips, without words being spoken into the air. He looked upon his disciples and comforted them and said, let not your heart be troubled. This is really not a message to just the disciples, but this is a message to all the ages for those who follow after Christ. <laughs> Don't ever think that just because you haven't uttered it into the words that the Lord doesn't know your troubles. He knows our troubles. He knows the things that bother us deep down in our hearts. He knows the grief. He knows the things that bother us. And he knows the words that the disciples had just heard in their ears, had traveled to their hearts, and laid a crack in the heart of their belief. But he said, let not your heart be troubled. And that's how it is oftentimes as we're moving forward in ministry, is it not? We start moving forward. We have all these desires and all these plans, and this is how it's going to work out. And when it doesn't work out, what happens? <laughs> a crack is laid in our belief. Human nature begins to take over, and we start to say, is this really what you wanted me to do, God? I mean, am I messed up here? Is this all wrong? I mean, oh, what's going on here? But what really what the Lord is telling them, yes, yes, there's a mistake within you, but you still have to continue to trust me. We have to learn to put our unwavering trust 
in the Lord. One day after the services, I had found myself down the street at the store here. And all I wanted was some ice cream. I know that's hard to believe. But I was down there and I was just walking through the store, minding my own business. And this lady started giving me the one, two, three, four, five, six. So at first I tried to tell her that I didn't work there, but she wasn't going to let me talk. So I went to plan number two and began to walk away. Then she screamed louder. That scared me so bad I walked back and listened. At the end of the conversation, I finally got across to her, I don't work here. I'm just trying to get some ice cream. But what the lady was so upset about is that she believed that I didn't care and she thought I worked there. She was upset. John chapter 14 and verse 1 lets us know that not only does Jesus care, but he seeks to comfort us. He looks upon them and sees that they're troubled, and he tells them, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He seeks to soothe the situation. He seeks to bring comfort to the troubled disciples. He still, even today, as troubles plague us in this life, when we can't make earthly sense into it, God is still standing there. Jesus is still crying out to his disciples, believe in God, believe also in me. Now that is the imperative command that we would have unwavering faith in him. Where do we see this again? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. We see this care that at the onset of the trouble, Jesus stands telling the troubled, trust me. Downstairs, In my office on the wall right next to the door, I have two pictures. The picture there hanging on the wall is a picture of a man who grew up with me and went to school here. On December in 2020, he stopped by here at the church to bring comfort to me about the loss of my father and the loss of my grandfather. We sat right there in the back pew and we cracked up and laughed up and had a wonderful time. He left out of here and then January 14th, he shot and killed himself. Troubles, you see, are not always easily seen. Here he was, left out of here with a smile on his face, and I had a smile on my face, and we laughed laughed at each other, hugged, and went our separate ways. Yet deep within his heart, there was great trouble. I could not see it. I wondered in those moments, in those days, when I found out that happened on January the 14th, was there something more I could have said? To me, I, I didn't see it at all. I couldn't pick out that there was trouble. Yet I find great comfort (laughs) that the Lord, with these disciples in their presence, 
that even though I am the pastor of this church and I don't always know what's going on in your personal life, I take great comfort that our Heavenly Father, that our Lord can look down into our lives and see the things that plague us. All I have to do is keep uttering his words again. Believe in God and believe also in Jesus. Now, this was a powerful moment we could really see here. We, we see this is the great benefit of John chapter 14 and verse number one. If I was to come to you and say, don't worry about it. Let not your heart be troubled. It's all going to work out. I'm just a man. I have no control. I can't direct or guide you in any step of the way. But that's what makes the who of John 14 one so good. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. <laughs> this, this really was a powerful moment because it takes our trouble and connects it to his omnipotence. When he says, you believe in God, you can believe in me. It is to say that everything that I'm about to tell you, everything that I'm telling you even up to this moment now, if you believe in him and you believe in me, all your troubles will be gone away. Now, I would love to be able to tell you that it's all going to work out, but that's a foolish thought process. We like to say that to each other now, like, hey, it, it, it'll all come out in the wash, but that's a foolish thought. Notice here again in 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Verse number one, in military terms, is a cease and desist order to all your problems. He says, let not your heart be troubled. This is to say that it is not the Lord's desire. It is not God's desire for his disciples, for his children, for those who follow after him. It wasn't his desire for the disciples in their age. It wasn't his desire for the early church. And it's not even his desire today for us to live a life that is full of troubles. Now, it's full of troubles, but it's not for us to live a life where our heart is full of troubles. Today we act and we practice the art of escaping problems. My wife um, comes down upon me all the time for this. She says that whenever she begins to discuss issues with me at hand, we're not allowed to talk about it while we're eating. We're not allowed to talk about it if I'm resting. I don't want to hear nothing about it. Don't ruin any of those moments. She said, you're just trying to escape problems because I'm always eating. I'm just kidding, maybe. <laughs> but the point is, we have, a, we have a way of trying to escape problems. We don't want to acknowledge that problems exist. Matter of fact, we kind of operate with the theory that if we don't look at it, it's not really a problem. That's my theory. But look what the Lord does. He doesn't try to paint any imagery at all for us 
like the wealth and health prosperity gospel preaches today. If you'll just put your faith in the Lord, all your troubles are going to be gone. If you'll just put your faith in the Lord and give to me, the Lord is going to increase you sevenfold. I mean, absolutely, he wants you to have your best life now. But what does he say? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. The Lord does not try to duck the reality that there is problems in this life. He doesn't do that at all. But what he does offer is a divine remedy, a sweet escape from the troubles in life. And it doesn't come from how much we tithe. It doesn't come from how much we work. It doesn't come from our titles in the church or how long we've been in service. It comes from belief. It comes from fully trusting into him. We often say everything is going to be all right, but that statement is based on optimism and wishful thinking. It's no use to say to someone, let not your heart be troubled if you don't say, believe in God and believe also in Jesus. It's, it's foolish for us to hear the troubles of the world today and tell them it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. It's going to be all right. If we don't take them back to this passage, believe in God and believe also in Jesus because that's the only way the troubles of this life are going to work out. Because you know why? The troubles in this life are not going away. They're here to stay. But yet we've often been offered this sweet escape. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, there is no greater need for men and women in this world than that of a quieted heart. Ooh. What we all desire is peace. What we all desire is a life that's not full of troubles. That's the desire of the world today to find peace within. Well, this is what the text is saying. This is what the Lord is reminding the disciples in this first verse. Only Jesus can provide that. Only faith in God can provide that. When I was a kid, I went to a school there in Norwood. And when we was in this school event, one day, as a young kid, me and six other kids had stumbled upon something that was out of place. This situation that was out of place really troubled me and these other kids. It, 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 it basically gripped our lives for weeks to come. Nightmares would ensue. They would send us to have counseling. They would send us to have therapy. They would tell you to draw pictures of the scene. They would tell you to look past this and look here and look there and send you in all these different places to look, to try to find peace. Jesus summarizes all the places that they told me to look with one place. He said, look up and all your troubles will be lifted. 
you believe in God, believe also in me. This is the greatest relief for the troubled heart. This is the sweet remedy to this troubled age, that there is relief found even in the world and even for us, but it is only in Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for this evening, for this opportunity to be in your word again. Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here, Lord, troubled at heart, vexed by this world, may we not look to the left or to the right, but look up alone, cast ourselves upon you. I'm reminded of the words that Spurgeon once said, that he kisses the waves that cast him upon the rock. Lord, may we learn to see these troubles as solemn reminders of our desperate need of you. Strengthen us this day. As we encounter a troubled world, may we tell them about all that you have done so that we could live in this life facing troubles but not being troubled by the troubles. <laughs> we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.